Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are in the midst of our study on the discipline of prayer. And we're going to be looking once again at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And we're going to see uh, and, and find out what Jesus said for us to pray for. I think that's important. He's our Lord and Savior. And so when he tells us the things that we are to pray for, then we need to do just that. So before we get into the word of God, let's just have a word of prayer. Father God in the heaven, we thank you. We give you praise and honor and glory. We thank you, Lord. It's the entrance of your word that gives us light. It gives us understanding. And so, Father, we thank you today for the word of God. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's come alongside of us to help us both in the ministering of your word and in the receiving of your word. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You know, while Jesus was on earth, going through the Gospels, we don't find a record of him teaching his disciples how to preach and teach. He told them just to go. He didn't tell them how to go. He just told them to go. Amen. But we do have record of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. So that's just how important it is for us to learn how to pray and pray effectively and then to be disciplined in prayer, to develop a prayer life, to make it spirit filled, fruitful and effective. So but now one thing that that we have noticed if we've prayed for any length of time, that prayer becomes very, very boring when we're the only ones doing the talking. And, you know, I realized this years ago, and it really came home to me when I read something that Evan Roberts, who was the head of the great Welsh revival in the early part of the 20th century, when someone asked him how to have revival or how to put on a revival. And he said several things, but one thing he said stuck with me and that is, if, if you want revival, one of the things that you have to do is pray and wait. Pray and wait. Now, up until I read this statement, you know, I just had a hard time understanding how the saints of old could spend so many hours praying. You'd think that after a while that they would run out of things to say. But see, this gave me some revelation because I realized then that uh, how the early saints could pray for such long periods of time. And the reason was is they were not the only ones doing the talking. <laughs> Amen. They would pray and they would wait on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would speak with them. They would commune with the Father. Amen. They were not the only ones talking. In other words, they were not bombarding heaven. Amen. They didn't have their artillery piece and, and shooting artillery shells towards heaven until they ran out of ammunition. And then they'd go and they'd grab a 50 caliber machine gun and they would fire it until they ran out of information. I mean, ammunition. And then after that, it was clubs, spears, arrows, whatever, rocks, whatever they could throw. No, they didn't do that. They prayed. And they waited on the presence of God to speak to them. I'm telling you, if we do that, 
prayer then becomes very, very fulfilling, but also very, very exciting. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we found that one of the effective uh, secrets about prayer is to wait on the Lord. Amen. Praise God. So we must, if we're going to be effective in prayer, we're going to have to take time to wait on God, to pray, of course, but then to wait for him to speak to us. I mean, if we're the only ones doing the talking, our prayer life has become very limited. But see, he knows everything. He knows all things. Amen. His mind is unlimited. His power is unlimited. So it's very good for us to follow our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and then to do the things that Jesus said that we are to pray for. So Jesus taught his disciples about prayer. And you know what he'll do? He'll teach us about prayer, too. So we're going back to Luke chapter 11. We're just going to read the first four verses. Notice what uh, what the Lord says. And it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And then Jesus launched into what we call today uh, the Lord's Prayer. And he said unto them, pray ye when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So I find five things in here that Jesus said that we're to pray for. And we're going to talk about the first one today. Notice once again, Jesus said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. So the very first thing Jesus tells us that we are to pray for, and that is we are to pray for the worship, the acknowledgement, the recognition of God that he is in heaven, which means that he is above all things and that his name is holy. We are to treat his name as holy. And how do we do that? Well, we do that with the prayer of praise and worship. And to me, the one of the favorite psalms, one of my favorite psalms concerning the entering into the presence of God with praise and worship is the hundred psalm. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Now, what does that mean? That means we are to lift up our voice to the Lord with joy. Amen. We are not to enter into God's presence with sadness and with gloom. We are to enter into his presence with joy. Make a joyful noise. Make a joyful shout, a joyful voice to the Lord, all ye lands. And then the psalmist says this, serve the Lord with gladness. Now, the word serve has a double meaning. Not only does it mean we are to serve the Lord, it also means that we are to worship the Lord. And remember what Paul said over in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as an offering unto him. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy 
acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Once again, there's a double meaning there. Reasonable service can also mean spiritual worship. So the fact that we deny ourselves the things in the world, that we're in the world, but we're not of the world, the things of the world, amen, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, we just don't run off what the world does. We don't do what the world does. Amen. They play football on Sunday. Well, what do we do? We go to the house of God and we worship the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. We present our bodies a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto God. Amen. This is how we are to treat our flesh. Make it holy and acceptable unto God, which is our spiritual worship. So serving the Lord is a form of worship and praise. And then the psalmist goes on and says this. He says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now that's important. Amen. Jesus is the good shepherd. We are the sheep. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of us are under shepherds. That's fine. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're all his sheep. And I've noticed that there are five things that a shepherd does for his sheep. Number one, he provides safety and welfare for his sheep. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they are safe. Praise God. There is protection under the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And another thing the shepherd does is he provides plenty of clean water for his sheep to drink. Notice the shepherd psalm. He, he makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters and he restores our soul. Praise the Lord. Notice he leads us beside the still waters. I tell you, there's water, the water of life, the waters of revival, the waters of joy. <laughs> Praise God. Ezekiel saw rivers that were ankle deep, knee deep, hip deep, head deep. <laughs> waters enough to swim in. I tell you, God has got the waters of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, temperance, self-control. He has all of this as waters, praise God, that he springs up within us. Spring up, oh well, within my soul. Spring up, oh well, and make me whole. Praise God. Hallelujah. The third thing that a shepherd does is he keeps his sheep clean and free from con contamination. He grooms his sheep. Praise God. And the Lord does that. I mean, he'll, he'll shear us every now and then if we get too wily. But it's, he does that because he loves us. The fourth thing a shepherd does is he, he rescues the sheep when they're in trouble. Remember the parable of the lost sheep that Jesus gave, how that the shepherd left the 99, which uh, didn't need uh, help, and went after that one that did. Aren't you glad you're that one? Aren't you glad that Jesus left the 99 and went and found you? Praise God. And the fifth thing that I have down here that a shepherd does is that the shepherd's voice, now this is important, this applies to our prayer life. The shepherd's voice is known to the sheep 
and they follow him. How are we going to know the voice of the good shepherd unless we talk to him? Amen. Unless we spend time prayer, praying and then waiting, waiting for him to talk to us. Praise God. So that's some great things. Now, we're going to talk about how we apply this and how it works, because it's very important for us. And we're going to go to the book of Acts. We're going to look at Paul and Barnabas real quickly. And then we're going to talk and we're going to look at Paul and Silas real quickly. In Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. Now, there was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas. I want you to notice Barnabas was listed first in this grouping. And Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had brought up, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul's listed last. Barnabas is listed first. Now that's very interesting, isn't it? Notice verse two. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, notice the Holy Ghost said, What's that? We're talking about praying and then waiting. What were they doing? They were ministering to the Lord in praise and worship and in prayers. They were also fasting, waiting on God. And the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed again, they continued fasting. They continued praying. They didn't just jump up and run off. <laughs> No, they hung around a little while. They fasted, continued to fast. They prayed some more. Now, these men laid their hands. I, I assume this is the church now. This is the entire church, the eldership of the church at Antioch. Maybe this was the entire leadership of the church in Antioch. Could be. And laid their hands on them and they sent them away. So this was something that that was not done in just a fraction of a time, you know, just in minutes or maybe, you know, a half hour. This was something that took place over time. Amen. Now, a short period of time. But these people were not in a hurry. And that's one of the problems we have in the church world today. We're in too big of a hurry, especially when it comes to prayer. We need to learn to pray, but we also need to learn to wait on God. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed in Seleucia, uh, Seleucia and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now, notice this at the very beginning, as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Ghost said. And then after they were prayed for and had hands laid on, they were sent forth by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost said... And then they were sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Notice the Holy Spirit is involved from beginning to end here. And that speaks to us concerning prayer. The Holy Spirit has got to be involved. He has to be personally present in our prayer life in order for it to be effective. Now, one of the great values of prayer is learning how to minister to the Lord. And this is the type of worship and prayer that draws us near to him. Amen. Notice with hands lifted up with a word of song or praise coming out of our mouth. Like Paul quoted in Hebrews chapter 12, lift up the hands which hang down. 
We are not to go into the presence of God with our hands down, our hands up. <laughs> Amen. Lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for thy feet, lest that which be lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Now, there's some truth here. This in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. There are times where our hands are hanged down. Manifold tests and trials. Our knees are feeble. But notice the exhortation of the word of God says, make straight paths for thy feet. Now, our feet might be lame. In other words, we're going through manifold tests and trials. There's sickness and disease in the household. There's division and strife. Things that normally were right side up. Now they've just all of a sudden been turned upside down. Well, what are we to do? Well, we are to go into the presence of God, ministering to him with hands lifted up, with words and songs of praise coming out of our mouth. Amen. Just like a triumphal entry. Remember the triumphal entry of Jesus when he entered into Jerusalem. What were the people shouting? Hosanna to the son of David. They cut down palm branches and, and took their cloaks and laid them in a way. This, this is so reminiscent of our prayer life and how we to our, approach our heavenly father in that same manner and in that same way. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, as far as Paul and Barnabas are concerned, uh, we don't know how long they were ministering to the Lord, but we know this. They had ministered to the Lord long enough for the Holy Ghost to speak to them and separate them for the ministry the Lord had called them to. And this is a result of them gathering together to worship God and to minister unto the Lord. And when the Lord, the Holy Spirit sent them out, they sent them out and launched them into a worldwide ministry that is even impacting this world today after 2000 years. What they did in Antioch, what the Holy Ghost did in response to them ministering to the Lord is impacting the church and the world even today, 2000 years later. Praise God. Just think on individual terms, what this kind of ministering to the Lord will do to your life will do to our lives. Amen. And to our families. Praise God. That's powerful stuff. All right. Now, Acts chapter 16. Now we're going to talk about we're going to read about uh, <clears throat> Paul and Silas. Beginning in verse 22, and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them, Paul and Silas. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, notice that many stripes. I mean, they beat the stew out of these two men. They cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. In other words, you don't don't you dare let them out. We're not done with these two people who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now here's Paul and Silas. Well, they were doing the will of God. We could say that they were in the perfect will of God. They were following obedient to God's call upon their life. And for doing good, they were arrested and put in chains 
But now, did that bother them? Did they go around with their hands hanging down? Barely walking with feeble knees? Their feet needed to be healed? No, sir. They had wounds and bruises and stripes on them. But no, they didn't get down. What did they do? At midnight, they prayed and sang praises loud enough that the other prisoners heard them. Now, let's read it, verses 25 and 26. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. Here's another suddenly. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. This is another suddenly. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Are you bound today? Do you feel like you're in jail? Well, I don't know. You may be listening to this broadcast. You may have done something wrong, got caught for it, and you may be in jail today. But I'm telling you, there's power in the name of Jesus. And there is power when we minister to the Lord and go into his presence with singing, with loud shouts of joy upon our heart, praise God, coming out of our mouth. That's exactly what Paul and Silas did. Now, they were in the will of God. They were in the perfect will of God. That doesn't mean that they're exempt from temptation, strife, trials and tests. You may be in the will of God today, in the perfect will of God. That doesn't mean you, you and I are exempt from tests and trials. But now, wait a minute. We know, how to, we know how to deal with situations and circumstances, don't we? Based upon what Paul and Silas did. At midnight, they prayed and sang praises loud enough that the other prisoners heard them. They weren't ooing and ouching about all the wounds on their body. They were praying loud. They were singing praises. They were ministering to the Lord. And so what happened? Well, God shook that jail and loosed their chains, and they were set free. See, there's power. I'm telling you, there is power in praise and worship. Now, what does praise do for you? What does ministering to the Lord do for you? Well, number one, it renews your strength. You may be weak. You may be sad. You may be troubled. There might be anxious. You know, I'm, uh, Paul said this in writing to the Philippians, be anxious for nothing. I mean, he said, what he means is that don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Notice all of that comes first with thanksgiving comes first enter in enter into the presence of god with joy just like the psalmist said praise god and see that renews our strength when we come into the presence of god it renews our strength there's something about the holy spirit manifesting his presence the presence of god upon us that immediately changes our situation and makes us strong it strengthens us and when we do that, when we minister to the Lord, it invites God's manifest presence into our life. 
We can sense it. I tell you, it's like a coat. Somebody takes a coat and places a coat on us. We can sense the manifested power and glory of God come upon us. And when that happens, then that often changes defeat and gives us a note of victory. We see the end. Praise God. Hallelujah. Whoa, there's light at the end of this tunnel. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is placing me and putting me through this. And then this type of ministry brings satisfaction to our soul and it brings fatness to our bones. What I mean by that, it brings health to us. I tell you, if you want to be on a healthy diet, make sure that you spend every day ministering to the Lord. And then, of course, it stops the devil right in the tracks. Now, we have that for an absolute truth. Now, I don't know if I'll be able to read all of Second Chronicles chapter 20, but it's a good read. And if you haven't read this chapter in a long time, I suggest you go and do it. Now, I'm going to read it to you. Now, it came to pass about this time, the sons of Moab, sons of Ammon, together with the Manuites, uh, came against war to Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you beyond the sea. And so Jehoshaphat was afraid. Amen. So Judah gathered together with the king to seek help from the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly, and this is what he said. O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God of the heavens, and are you not ruler over the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hands so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house, notice that, and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Amen. They had a critical need. But we know what they're doing. They were standing before the house. Now, Judah is called the house of praise. They were standing before the house of praise. And there was ministry going on. There were sacrifices. The incense was being burned. This was a place of worship, you see. And we need to get into the place of worship. Now, what happened? Well, they fasted for three days. They put on sackcloth and ashes. They humbled themselves. And then in the midst of the assembly, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph, and said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Hallelujah. It is true. The battle is the Lord's. It's not ours. When the devil comes against us, amen, if we are in the Lord, he'll stumble and fall. But notice 
They did this. They waited upon the Lord. They put on sackcloth and ashes. They humbled themselves. They fasted. They prayed. And then what happened? The Holy Ghost said. They pray. They prayed. And they waited. I'm telling you, ministering to the Lord is preparation for victory in prayer. And I'm going to end with this verse of scripture here. Psalm chapter eight, verse two. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength. Thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies that you might still, that word still could also, does also mean do away with the enemy and the avenger. You want to put the devil on the run? This is how you do it. Amen. Father, we bless you and praise you in the Jesus name. Now, Lord, we go, we go forth with the high praises of God on our mouth and a sharp two-edged sword in our hand to execute judgment upon the heathen (laughs) and upon their princes. So, Father, we're so thankful today that we have victory in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.